Welcome NMEC family and friends. We welcome you to our online worship service. Today, as we continue with our series on discipleship, we will deal with the work of the Holy Spirit. Our opening song, Holy Spirit, living breath of God, speaks so much about Him. He breathes new life into our willing souls. He brings us into the presence of the risen Lord. He renews our hearts and makes us whole. Truly, the Holy Spirit is the living breath of God. Wow, there's just so many things the promised Holy Spirit does for us. Let us now quiet down our hearts and begin our worship to our Almighty God with a song of praise to Him and Him alone. Friends of our prayers arise, be 
A blessed Lord's Day to you, brothers and sisters in the Lord. Grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. We are almost through with the first quarter of 2021 and a year already in quarantine. But I hope and pray that your growth remains unceasing in the knowledge and love of our Savior. If I may ask, did you ever experience having left the house already and felt that something's missing? You know that dreadful feeling that you have to deal with this sense of incompleteness all day? Well, that's because there are some people who cannot leave their house without certain things, such as their smartphones, headphones, sunglasses, moisturizing cream, earrings, ring, wristwatch, alcohol, especially alcohol, right? Which everyone has adapted to carry in their bag whenever they go out. How about you, brothers and sisters in the Lord? What are some things that you must always have with you wherever you go? The same goes with our manner of discipleship. Whether you're a mentor or a disciple, whether you're experienced or inexperienced, there's something or someone that you cannot conduct discipleship without. So you may be asking, so Pastor Danny, are you pertaining to the techniques and skills that I have? Well, I'm afraid not. Who I am pertaining to is the Holy Spirit. We cannot leave our home or the church and disciple others without the Holy Spirit. We should also have this sense of something's missing without Him in our lives and our ministry for the Lord. So no matter how many techniques you know, no matter how many discipleship seminars you attended or books you read, without our dependence on the Holy Spirit, we may end up pressuring ourselves whenever we fail or giving glory to ourselves whenever we succeed. So this is our main idea for today's message. We should always depend on the Holy Spirit whenever we do God's work because He is every believer's source of power and help. We should always depend on the Holy Spirit whenever we do God's work because He is every believer's source of power and help. Let's turn to our sermon passage based on Acts chapter 1 verses 1 to 8 and Acts chapter 2 verses 1 to 13. Acts chapter 1, verses 1 to 8. In the first book, O Theophilus, I have dealt with all that Jesus began to do and teach until the day when he was taken up, after he had given commands through the Holy Spirit to the apostles whom he had chosen. He presented himself alive to them after his suffering by many proofs, appearing to them during 40 days and speaking about the kingdom of God. And while staying with them, he ordered them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, You heard from me, for John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. So when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? He said to them, It is not for you to know times or seasons that the Father has fixed, by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. Chapter 2, verses 1 to 13. When the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all together in one place, and suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind, 
and it filled the entire house where they were sitting, and divided tongues as a fire appeared to them and rested on each one of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Now there were dwelling in Jerusalem Jews, devout men from every nation under heaven. And at this sound, the multitude came together, and they, and they were bewildered, because each one was hearing them speak in his own language. And they were amazed and astonished, saying, Are not all these who are speaking Galileans? And how is it that we hear each of us in his own native language? Parthians and Medes and Elamites and residents of Mesopotamia, Judea and Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, Phrygia and Pamphylia, Egypt and the parts of Libya belonging to Cyrene and visitors from Rome, both Jews and proselytes, Cretans and Arabians, we hear them telling in our own tongues the mighty works of God. And all were amazed and perplexed, saying to one another, what does this mean? But others mocking said, they are filled with new wine. May God bless the reading of his word. Let's begin with a word of prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, it is truly our heart's desire to worship and adore you on your day. Truly, you are a God of mercy. You are God of mercy and grace and love to thousands of generations. We want to thank you for sending your one and only Son for the forgiveness of our sins and granting us the title of righteousness. Through your perfect and obedient Son as our mediator, we now have direct access to you. Lord, it's already been a year since the quarantine began in the Philippines. Amidst the effect of the pandemic, we want to thank you for your daily provision of food, shelter, clothing, education, and work. We remember our church members who may be suffering physically, emotionally, and spiritually. We ask that their presence may be with them all the more, as we know that you, our Heavenly Father, constantly watches over us. We remember our church members who are in need of financial support. Lord, may you continue to provide for them. We remember the world, especially our country. May you continue to grant every country's leader the wisdom to lead and a heart to show love and compassion to people. We also pray that as your people, we may continue to evangelize to unbelievers. We pray for boldness, perseverance, and wisdom as we combat temptations, persecutions, and other challenges. Lord, we pray that each one of us will truly develop the heart to disciple other people by following the examples of our Savior, Jesus Christ. As we continue our discipleship series with the empowerment and help of the Holy Spirit, may we all the more walk in step with the Holy Spirit for our sanctification and as we fulfill your work. May you accept our worship today. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. How well do you know the Holy Spirit? According to some theologians, the Holy Spirit is the least known in the Trinity, and some Christians would even reduce the Holy Spirit to a mere conscience 
that tells you what is right or wrong. Brothers and sisters, this is a wrong notion. As we have read in Acts chapter 1, verse 8, Jesus said, But you will receive the power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in Judea and Samaria, and to the end of the earth. Also in John 14, 16, again, the words of Jesus, And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper to be with you forever. And according to the Westminster Shorter Catechism, question and answer number six, it goes like this. How many persons are there in the Godhead? The answer goes, there are three persons in the Godhead, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And these three are one God, the same substance, equal in power and glory. So the Holy Spirit is truly our source of power and help because of His equality in all things with the Father and the Son. So having clarified this, let us now go to our first point. So first, the Holy Spirit is promised to us. Jesus has been telling his disciples about the promise of the Holy Spirit as early as John chapter 16, verses 6 to 7, because he wasn't going to be with them for long and he will be leaving them soon. If you have read through the Gospels, you will notice that Jesus has been telling his disciples about his death and resurrection at least four times. So Mark 8, 31-33 is the first one. Shortened version of it is found in Matthew 16, 21-28 and Luke 9, 22-27. The second one is found in Mark 9, 30-32 and it is synonymous with Matthew 17, 22-23. The third one is in Matthew 20, 17 to 19, and the last one is in Matthew 26, verses 1 to 2. So I want to highlight the first and second prediction found in Mark 8, 31 to 33, and Mark 9, 30 to 32. And he, Jesus, began to teach them that the Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders and chief priests and the scribes and be killed and after three days rise again. Observe verse 32, and he said this plainly. And Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. But turning and seeing his disciples, he rebuked Peter and said, Get behind me, Satan. Again, Jesus said, The Son of Man is going to be delivered into the hands of men, and they will kill him. And when he is killed, after three days, he will rise. Observe the disciples' reaction again in verse 32. But they did not understand the saying, and they were afraid to ask him. So what did you observe about the disciples' reaction on Jesus' foretelling of his death? Through Peter, they rebuked Jesus that, Hey Jesus, you are going to be king. You don't know what you are talking about. Even though Jesus said this plainly. So the disciples also, when you see the reaction, they were afraid to Ask Jesus what he meant by the Son of Man to be delivered into the hands of men and be killed. So why is this so? Because these men gave up everything they had to follow Jesus. And just like that, he's going to leave them. So going back to our sermon passage in Acts chapter 1 verse 6, even after Jesus resurrected already, they were still hoping that he would restore the kingdom of Israel in the sense of a military and 
political kingdom that would drive out the Roman armies and restore Israel like the many times God did through the judges and kings in the Old Testament. So we can see the resistance of the disciples when their master had to leave them. And this also reminds me of Elisha, as Reverend Jason spoke about him two weeks ago. For in 2 Kings chapter 2, when Elisha refuses to leave his master Elijah, when he had to go also. And Elisha requested a double spirit of Elijah when he is taken away. So Jesus understood their sorrow in his farewell speech to them in John chapter 16. But at the same time, Jesus comforts and assures them that the Holy Spirit is a greater advantage to them. Because according to scholars, while Jesus was on earth, he could only be in one place at a time. But the Holy Spirit would carry on Jesus' ministry over the entire world at all times. So in John 16 and Acts 1 7, Jesus promised them a helper who will come when he leaves. So the coming of the Holy Spirit marks the new covenant era as a time of powerful ministry on the parts of God's people and the rapid growth of the kingdom of God among the nation. That is because the Holy Spirit will also minister outside Israel to the end of the earth. There may come a time also for us, brothers and sisters, there may come a time that when it's our turn to lead, or just as what Elisha and the disciples experienced, there will also come a time when those who mentored us may no longer be with us. We may wish that we could have more time with them. We could have wished that you know, we could have spent more, gaining more knowledge from them. We may have this sense of emptiness that something or someone is missing. We may feel like we are now left on our own and the ministry ahead is long and difficult. But remember this, brothers and sisters in the Lord. Remember the promise of the Holy Spirit. We have nothing to fear. He is every believer's source of power and help. He is with you and working in and through you every day. So remember the Holy Spirit himself is God and he is equal with the Father and the Son. And that's why the Holy Spirit is promised to us. For our second point, the Holy Spirit empowers us. The Holy Spirit empowers us. Please turn with me to Acts chapter 2, verses 1 to 13 for our second point. Here we can see that the coming of the promised Holy Spirit happened on the day of Pentecost. This was a few days after Jesus ascended to heaven and after his resurrection. This was the second of the annual harvest festivals, 50 days after the Passover. And according to scholars, the all in verse 1 pertains to the entire 120 assembled in the upper room. So let's observe this passage carefully. The description of the promised Holy Spirit's coming is in a greatly increased power that it was accompanied by a sound, not of a gentle breeze, but like a mighty rushing wind. And this was the fulfillment of what Jesus promised back in chapter 1. On a side note, this doesn't mean that the Holy Spirit was inactive prior to this event, because we can see His work throughout the Old Testament. But the Spirit is coming in a new 
and more powerful way. So the word tongues in verses 3 and 4 is the Greek word glossa, which can be translated as languages. So in this case, the languages were, take note of this, understood by the various people present in Jerusalem. And on a side note, we can also see a contrast here from 1 Corinthians 14 when, when Paul talks about the different gifts, while Acts chapter 1 talks about the different audience. And here we can see that Paul requires an interpretation for those who speak in tongues, or else their words will not be edifying for the congregation. Also, the early church needed this gift because it served as an advantage for the growth and advancement of the gospel to the other nations. I also desire to highlight this in our passage. We see a list of people in verses 9 to 11. Parthians, Medes, Elamites, and residents of Mesopotamia, Judea and Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, Phrygia and Pamphylia, Egypt and parts of Libya belonging to Cyrene, and visitors from Rome, both Jews and proselytes, Cretans and Arabians. And according to scholars, the long list of nations covered most of the first century Roman world, particularly where Jewish communities existed. And all of these people understood what the believers were saying. And when they went back to their communities, they shared what they saw and what they heard, and that's the gospel. And this is what an article in Ligonier calls Babel reversed. In Genesis 11, 1-9, the Lord confused the language of the people in order for them to scatter and fill the earth. However, at Pentecost, through this miracle of tongues, where everyone heard the gospel in his own language, it provided evidence that God was breaking down the cultural and ethnic division imposed at Babel, revealing that the true Israel is not defined by tongue or culture, but by common faith in the Messiah that's found in Galatians 3, verse 7 and 29. I also desire to highlight this. What were the believers whom the Holy Spirit came upon saying? So look at the second part of verse 11 and take note of this. They were telling the mighty works of God. They were praising God. And already at the day of Pentecost, the Christians were starting their worldwide witness. At this point, the converts were mainly Jewish, but lived in different parts of the Roman world. We can see here that the Holy Spirit empowered these believers that in verses 7 and 12, the people in Jerusalem were amazed, astonished, and perplexed that they were drawn to what they were saying. And they were saying the mighty works of God. And jumping to verse 37, after Peter spoke, they were cut to the heart. And in verse 41, 3,000 people were saved and baptized. So here we can see how the Holy Spirit's power opens the hearts of rebellious fallen sinners for them to receive the gospel. And we can also see the Holy Spirit's empowerment to the disciples of Jesus to witness and defend the gospel. Recalling our first point, do you remember that the disciples, they were not delighted 
they were in fact sorrowful when Jesus announced his death. All along, the disciples had misunderstood the mission of Jesus. And later on, when he was arrested, they scattered, but only one followed Jesus. And that one person lurked in his shadows and later on denied him. But the same person in Acts chapter 2, 14 to 36, who was behind one of the greatest sermons and one of the best texts for apologetics, he was actually the one who hid in the shadows and denied Jesus. It was the Apostle Peter. But look at him now, very bold and advocate for the gospel. He was defending Jesus by persuading the people to repent, be baptized, and believe in the name of Jesus for them to have forgiveness of sin and to receive too the promised Holy Spirit. So brothers and sisters in the Lord, the minute that you receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you are given the promised Holy Spirit who empowers you day by day. And here we can notice two things. The Holy Spirit works by opening the hearts of people to receive the gospel, and the Holy Spirit empowers us just as he empowers Peter from being a coward to an advocate of the gospel. So when you conduct discipleship, it may start from evangelizing or imparting the core teachings toward a new or young believer. Either way, we should seek for the Holy Spirit's wisdom and empowerment for him to open the hearts and minds of those you are discipling for them to understand and receive the truth. So are you dependent on the Holy Spirit in your work for the Lord? I need to quote Romans 8.11. If the Spirit of Him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, He who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through His Spirit who dwells in you. So if the Holy Spirit has the power to raise Christ from the dead, what else can He not do? So first, the Holy Spirit is promised to us. And second, the Holy Spirit empowers us. Third and lastly, the Holy Spirit helps us. The Holy Spirit helps us. So there may be times during the course of discipling others that we may face challenges, such as how to approach them, what to tell them, and how to answer their difficult questions. I recall the time Jen and I were having a meal at Burger King across the south. Three boys were seated beside our table, and the Holy Spirit impressed upon me to share the gospel to them. My heart was pounding fast, and I prayed for wisdom how I can approach them. Then, the Holy Spirit gave me wisdom by helping me realize that they were speaking with each other in Hokkien. So I complimented their Chinese language as a springboard. And they told us that they were from the same high school. And through that, they gave me the chance to share and to in fact leave my name and number as well. Though they have yet to contact me again or visit our church, I was comforted by the Holy Spirit that he did his work when the boys listened intently. So again, fear not, for the Holy Spirit is our helper. Going back to John 16, verse 7. Now let's take a look at Luke chapter 12, verses 11 to 12. And when they bring you before the synagogue and the rulers and the authorities, do not be anxious about how you should defend yourself or what you should say, for the Holy Spirit will teach you in that very hour what you ought to say. So the context of this passage is that the Holy Spirit will help us in the most frightening settings, 
such as before rulers and authorities, when they give you a chance to speak, like Stephen. How much more then should we depend on him in less threatening situations? Evangelism is part of discipleship, and discipleship does not end when a person receives Christ. It is life to life. We walk with the person daily and nurture him in the faith. So we need the help of the Holy Spirit in what words to say when we talk with someone about Jesus. We need the guidance of the Holy Spirit as we prepare for the Bible study sessions we conduct with our group. We need the Holy Spirit's wisdom to further disciple our mentees. So God promised us the Holy Spirit to comfort and assure us that we are not doing His work alone or on our own. It is our 100% duty to prepare and do our best and trust that the Holy Spirit is also doing 100%. So there may be times when we think we could have said something better or you wish that you could have said that. But here's a reassuring quote John Piper shared from his own experiences. He says, From these brief encounters in meeting someone and sharing the gospel, I am thankful and amazed at what just happened. Yes, I am often frustrated that I did not say things better. But I am also really happy that the Holy Spirit gave me something to say. He fulfilled the promise of Jesus. The Holy Spirit will teach you in that very hour what you ought to say. So have you ever experienced how the Holy Spirit has helped you, especially in your times of weakness and helplessness? Reflect and may this experience or these experiences allow you to always trust in our God-given helper, the Holy Spirit. So the Holy Spirit is promised to us. The Holy Spirit empowers us. The Holy Spirit helps us. So in closing, we can also see that in the scripture, our Lord Jesus Christ's inseparable companion during his earthly ministry was the Holy Spirit. Therefore, at all of the major events in the life of Christ, the Holy Spirit took a prominent role. The incarnation of Christ, at Jesus' baptism, the Spirit descended upon him, and being full of the Holy Spirit, Jesus was led to the wilderness. Again, the Holy Spirit sustained Jesus before, during, and after his temptation. When he did his ministry, he fulfills Isaiah 61, verses 1-2, to with the Spirit upon him. Christ performed miracles in the power of the Holy Spirit, Acts 10.38. How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power. He went about doing good and healing all who were possessed by the devil, for God was with him. And of course, uh, Jesus, Jesus' resurrection is attributed to the power of the Holy Spirit, Romans 8.11. And now, the Holy Spirit is Christ's gift to us. Can we depend on Him? Yes, we can surely and we should always depend on the Holy Spirit whenever we do God's work because He is every believer's source of power and help. We are assured that we are not doing God's work alone so that we would not have to be anxious nor do we do God's work on our own strength so that it humbles us just as our Savior Serve God with humility. The Holy Spirit is our source of power and help because He was promised to us, He empowers us, and He helps us. So here are some reflection questions you may want to go over with your family or friends when you meet them online. First, 
How has the Holy Spirit been a power and help in your life, particularly when you do God's work? Secondly, what difference does it make when you rely on the Holy Spirit than on your own strength? May God continue to bless you through the preaching of His Word. Thanks be to God. Shall we pray? Dear Heavenly Father, indeed, there are just so many reasons for us to thank you for. We thank you for the promised Holy Spirit who is continually at work daily in our lives. Lord, we praise you for supplying us with more than what we need, not only for our physical lives, most especially for our spiritual lives. Your grace is truly amazing. Lord, we pray that as we do discipleship, having been reminded of the Holy Spirit's power and help in every believer's lives. Help us, Lord, to trust and always rely on Him alone. Lord, may your Holy Spirit also be at work to those we minister to, that they may truly receive Christ and be sanctified by the Spirit. Holy Spirit, we thank you for your work daily in our lives. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Please listen to some announcements. We have small groups that meet every week. If you are interested in joining one, kindly contact any member of the pastoral team and we will be more than happy to connect you to a group. Next, Bong Un Seniors Ministry is now online. They will have their Bible study every Wednesday from 9.30 to 10.30 a.m. Please contact Pastor Phoebe Yu if you wish to join. Meanwhile, our Biz Pro Ministry will conduct a live seminar on March 23 at 8 p.m. with Brother Daniel Yu speaking on QR codes payment. Please check our Facebook page for further information. Also, and McFamily and friends, please reserve the dates for April 1st at 8 p.m. as the church will have a prayer meeting and communion 
to celebrate the Holy Week. Meanwhile, on April 4th at 9 a.m., we will premiere via Facebook our Resurrection Sunday service. Next, if you have family members, relatives, or friends who are in need of counseling, kindly visit our Facebook page, facebook.com slash Hope, and you may also get in touch with Pastor Jean Chan. If you have kids from ages 4 to 12 years old, we have our NMEC Kids Worship online every Sunday at 10 a.m. via Zoom. For further details and registration for first-time attendees, kindly check our Facebook page. If you have friends or family members who are aged 13 to 25, we have our Engaged Youth Fellowship that meets every Saturday at 3 p.m. via Zoom. You may contact me for further information. If you have family or friends who are interested in listening to God's Word in the Mandarin language, we have prayer meeting, Bible study, and Sunday service weekly in Mandarin. Lastly, if you wish to know more about New Millennium Evangelical Church, we have our Facebook page, website, and YouTube channel. Thank you for worshiping with us again, and we hope that you have a blessed week ahead. See you again next week. God bless.